What's up, guys? This is John Nelson, and you are listening to the Starting Block Podcast. This is a show for complete athletic development. Our objective here is to give you the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Scarborough. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you. So, if you are new to the show, I want to take a second and welcome you. We appreciate it. As I've said the last few episodes, our numbers continue to grow, and that is a testament to all of you guys for sharing the show and getting getting the word out there. So I appreciate that. And so <clears throat> if you're new, here's our housekeeping and how our show operates, because we are fairly unique compared to most shows that are out there. We have multiple episodes within the show. The first type of episode you're going to hear from us is our standard Q&A. That's a bi-weekly episode where Chris and I will take the questions that you submit to us at... Info, Chris? info at startingblockpodcast.com. We will take those questions. We'll break through. We'll sort out the good ones and the stupid ones, and we'll answer the good ones. Um, yeah. <laughs> How's that for Maybe honesty? we ought to answer a couple of stupid ones, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's Q&A. Um, the other biweekly episode you'll hear from us is our guest interview. And uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. We have uh, a guest lineup that will rival the best podcasts in the entire world. Uh, we're very grateful for that. We appreciate everybody that's joined us. And I want you to understand that, yeah, the guest episodes are um, are there for information, but they're also there to network you. Um, we've talked about it uh, again beforehand that, you know, I think a lot of shows out there are very coach to coach or doctor doctor. And it's like our objective here is to give you the tools to win. So these are people that, you know, share the same or relatively the same core values and mission as we do. And it's great to hear how they win and what they do with their clients, patients. And we feel it's somebody that, you know, would be awesome for you to connect with, um, you know, if you're away from, you know, somewhere where Chris and I operate. So it's our guest episode. Then the final episode you'll hear from us is going to be the Friday fire fact. And uh, I don't do that one every week. We will start ramping that up again here very shortly, but it's basically 10 to 20 minutes of me giving you some guided wisdom or something a little off topic, um, but still related to performance and the athletic industry, maybe a little bit more mindset, um, motivation, something like that. But that is our show structure. And then we do ask you that you pay your dues, guys. We, uh, we do this because we want to give you all the tools to win, and all we ask in return is that you just share the show. If you got value out of it, if you learned something, if it made you laugh, if we answered your question, share the show and bring us a friend. Please help us uh, help, us, help support this mission because that's what this is. Uh, this is a mission to give you guys everything you need to win. So that's how our show operates. Um, I also want to mention um, that we have not released the episode yet, but it will be coming out soon. But we had an awesome interview and episode with uh, Dr. Jen Perez out of Gate Happens, and she uh, offered our listeners a great deal. So I just want to pass that down to you. They have a lot of really good um, promos and products that they're um, that are available on their site. And if you use the code Starting Block, uh, you'll get ten percent off, and you can get ten percent off of either their foot health kit um, that includes you know a bunch of foot health tools like you know bands spacers things like that you could get 10% off of their um, fix the feet program which is a 12 week DIY program that's based really on your um, your foot's needs 
or you could get 10% off the Gate Foundation course. And that's a course for health professionals, trainers, therapists, clinicians. Uh, it's going to go over you know, anatomy, key assessments, and really give you a deep insight into what they do and how to take those next, step forward, uh, next steps forward. So anyways, I want to thank Dr. Uh, Jen for passing that along and being an awesome, awesome episode, and that'll come out soon. Like I said, the code is starting a block, and you would go to their website, and Chris, I'm sorry, I'm not prepared, but I think the website is what gate happens.com. Is that right? Yes, correct. G A I T G A I T gate, yeah. like walking gate happens.com. Yeah. Gate happens. Yeah. And, and in the event way, I got that wrong or something, you can go to there. Dr. Jen's super <laughs> active on social media too. So, um, you can, you can easily um, access them as well. And I'm sure they can direct you. So that is uh, the show so breakdown. Fun. And w- what's that, Chris? I was going to say, but also her her uh, her colleague, Doctor Courtney, she and uh, mm-hmm. Doctor Doctor Courtney, like you said, very active on social media. So give them a follow on uh, Instagram for sure. I mean, that's how I that's how yeah. I found. Them. And um, yeah, they they put out some great content on on online free. I mean, a lot of free yeah. content. Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of free stuff. So yeah, sorry, Doctor Courtney, you and I haven't talked yet, and I didn't mean to cut you out there. So my fault. Much love to you, Doctor <laughs> Courtney. Thanks, thanks for everything. <laughs> Don't hold that against me. Um, all right. So with all that, that's our housekeeping stuff. Let's go ahead and uh, get going today. Today is Q and A. So what do we got today, Chris? All right. So question number one: How does your training differ from in season to off season? or off-season to in-season? What's the difference? That's a good question. I think think there's two ways to look at it. It depends on if you train kind of the way that we do, Chris, you know, with the utilization of things like ISOs and drops and and, and things like that is kind of one of the primary modalities or with me, a lot of go-to stuff. Or you can look at it from the traditional standpoint. Like if you're kind of more of a a weight type of person, like I I say west side, but you know what I mean, like weights and things like that. Um, Why don't you go ahead and start, Chris? I know you got some good stuff to probably say on this, and I think I have some good stuff. Well, my take is I I don't like to change intensity. So, for example – um, I, I'm going to use speed because speed is my thing. So I want them to run when we're doing a speed session. Let's just say it's a football team and they have a game on Friday night. Well, we're probably going to do a speed session where they run hard. Okay. They're going to run as fast as they can run. Okay. We're going to, and we're going to time these things probably on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday at the latest They're but they're, when they run, they're going to run hard. Okay. Or, or let's say they're in lifting. They're going to lift hard. They're going to lift fast, or they're going to lift heavy, or they're going to, whatever it is, you know, that you're doing. I don't want to change the intensity a lot in season. That said, I tend to want to change the frequency, maybe change the volume a little bit, and just so you know what I mean. Intensity would be like, yeah, clarify that for some of the listeners who may have some parents or coaches listening to that. Yes, yeah, so let's let's take speed for example. Let's just just to make the math easy, okay? Let's say that someone's best best speed, their top speed is going to be 10 yards a second. All right? That's their fastest they can possibly run. When they can no longer run like say 10.3 at that same 10 yards, then that's where okay, we stop. So in other words, they're never learning to run slow. That's what I mean by intense. 
they're running a certain percentage of their absolute best. Or if you're lifting, they'd be lifting at least a certain percentage of their absolute best. Once they can no longer say, get three repetitions with their three rep max on a given exercise, you would no longer you would you would terminate that exercise or five rep max, whatever it is you're doing. If if you're doing five rep maxes, okay, that's great. I, once they got to where they couldn't do five anymore, you don't do that exercise anymore. Okay, that's you terminate that exercise. Um, I would, on the other hand, probably adjust the, the frequency. So in other words, instead of training three days a week or four days a week, even in the off season, we may drop the, those hard workouts back to maybe one or two per week, depending on the sport, depending on the athlete, depending on how well prepared they were before the season started. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Depends on how well prepared they were before the season started. Um, I might I might adjust the volume a little bit, so uh, meaning, so instead of say three exercises, we're taking to that you know we're, we're really working in that that intensity bracket. We may only do two, for example. So, um, does that sort of answer the question, John? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you touched on uh, you touched on the auto regulation side and. I kind of wanted you to touch on that because we did talk about the questions beforehand and I know the next question coming up and I want that one. Um, (laughs) but with this question, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I got you, I got a lot to say on the next question, but, but this way, yeah, the auto regulation is just, it's, it's a, it's a way to address neural fatigue. So, you know, without, you know, we spend a whole episode talking about it, but basically you have to ultimately ask yourself the question, how do you know whether keeping it simple, for example, how do you know that three sets of 10, is enough to create, um, or you know, somebody needs three sets of ten versus somebody needs four sets of ten, right? How do you know that? There's really no other way to monitor that. How do you know one is going to stimulate growth, one is going to shut the person down? You utilize autoregulation to help with that. Autoregulation is a great tool if you've never used it. It is very complex. It can be very complex. Um, you know, it's especially if you don't, um, you know, if you don't have control of everything. But you know, it's a great tool to to know what it is how much an athlete can take. Um, right. As far as like the weights and things like that go, yeah, you ought to regulate it if you get in there, but let's just keep it kind of conventional and traditional here for a second. You know, let's just say, Hey, we're kind of the old model of, um, you know, you know, main lift and then some assistance work. And I'll speak on that side, but I'm right there with you. So like, I'm not really going to drop the intensity. Um, I believe that high intensity is needed. Um, I think there's a lot of benefit to recovery from, you know, with high intensity as well. Um, but Dropping the volume is, is uh, dropping the volume and frequency. So how many times we're training, of course, dropping the, um, dropping the volume of it as well. So we're not going to do as many assistance lifts, for example, you know, now if you really are getting technical into something like the max effort method and all that stuff and you know, how many, you know, sets you're doing over 90, I'm not going to get involved in all that. I'm just saying that, you know, maybe instead of doing, you know, four to five assistance exercises, we're dropping it down to like maybe two or three and maybe dropping down a set or something. Um, you know, that, that's kind of how I would, I would manage that. Um, you know, but another, another thing with that though, I know I have a question I want to ask you, Chris, but before I ask that is another concept is actually utilizing something like the newbie for in-season training. And then that throws a wrench in everything because 
the way that you know we utilize the newbie when it comes to in-season training is it's all about frequency manipulation as far as current goes and what the individual has had experience with before. See, because you can still get a massive training effect without loading the joints, and that's a whole different ball game. You know what I mean, yep. Chris? Yes. Yep. Because let's face it, muscles muscles are made to be beat up, recover quickly, and then come right back. Okay, mm-hmm. so when someone says, "Well, I have this muscle," yes, you can you can strain a muscle. Yes, you can, but I'm not talking about a muscle strain. I'm not talking about a a you know, let's say a, a or a or a muscle pull. Okay, we're referring to the way muscles are used. They are made to be beat up and come back and do it again and again and again. Muscles are they're the workhorses of the body. Okay, they no granted. They, they only do what the brain tells them to do, but they are the workhorses of the body. And they're made to take a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Unless, right. of course, you don't train them to, to be able to withstand that work, then you can actually start breaking down. <laughs> that's, a, that's a topic for yeah. a different day. But... It is, but you know, going back to you know how how much we should be doing this and when, it kind of leads to the next question. I want your opinion on this. Of like, yep. you know, yeah, we talk about you know dropping the frequency of training. So how many days a week we're training? But you know, there are there are people that I remember reading, like Derek Jeter, for example. He likes to go through a you know light warm up, or he likes to train basically the day before you know the day of a game. But mm-hmm. it'd be like a light workout, kind of get the body going or something. But nowadays, I guess with the you know. The uh, I, just the weakened state of our freaking country and everybody's weak mentality. You've got kids saying, "Hey, I don't want to train." Um, you know, three days before they have to pitch. It's like, what the hell happened here? So it kind of goes into your question: How do you like to do that with um, athletes? So, like you said, you had a football person, for example. They got a game Friday night. What's going to be kind of your schedule? You know. You got a good hardcore heavy duty lift or whatever training session Tuesday. What are you looking to do on Wednesday, Thursday? Wednesday, Thursday is probably going to be ISO extremes. Now, keep in mind, I'm referring to a client. Well, let, uh, let me back up. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna back up. We might do some rebounds or some altitude drops on Wednesday. Okay, uh, some, all right, enough to at least keep the body prepared to do it again the next time. Thursday would definitely would be doing ISO extremes, and again, I'm referring to the prepared person, the person who has already gone through this type of work. Okay, I'm not we're talking about a brand new person who's never done an altitude drop in their life. I'm not putting that person in altitude drops the Wednesday before a Friday game. Okay. But the person who's worked all summer and has learned to do altitude drops, has done ice extremes, has done rebounds, has done other types of lifting, has done some rotational work, fill in the blank, that person can do their intense lifting slash speed training on Tuesday. They could do things like their altitude drops on Wednesday and then ISO extremes on Thursday because ISO extremes done properly, John, as you and I know, you do them correctly, it will recover everything you did earlier that week. It will. It will. Yep. It'll recover everything. So it's... um, it will recover everything. So kind of save those for that Thursday workout. And you again, you don't have to do a ton of exercises. You can pick two or three, hit your ISO extremes, and you know, you're good. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing that I like to do is, I mean, I'll, I'll train day of a game. All right. I, I have no problem doing that. It's, uh, you know, again, it's just monitoring what you're doing. I mean, and understanding where the athlete or individual is, um, you know, in their training you know, cycle or progressions. But I like to do kind of a cool combo for me is, you know, I'm a big sled puller, you know, and if you don't really, if you don't like pulling sleds and you want to argue with me about it, I, I don't really care. I like it. It's a great tool. We do a shit ton of it at ELP. But we'll go out and we'll pull some, you know, kind of lighter sleds just to get some GPP type work in, kind of get the blood flowing, moving a little bit. We may do a little ISOs, but I'll, I like to hit like a little bit of, you know, moderate go to recode work. We just kind of reinforce some back chain dominant again, get the body moving. And I like to use the impulse, you know, um, you know, the impulse inertia machine and, and not go excessively, you know, intense on it. But just work on that timing. You know, I've just felt that that has always given me really, really good results. Mm -hmm. Athletes like to come in and just get like a full body impulse workout, gets the blood flowing, gets you loosened up, maybe finish with some ISOs to make sure you're recovered. And that's mm -hmm. just something that I, I like to do in season. Yeah, it's funny you say that because, in, you know, I, I don't remember, John, if it was on our podcast with him or if he said this on a different podcast, but Jay Schroeder referred to a – when he worked with one of his World Series winning pitchers, um, he was actually working with that pitcher's teammate initially. And, um, you know, he'd come in and work and do a training session for like two hours right before a game. You know, two hours the day of a game. And he that, that same player who Jay was training would go out and perform great that night. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like, so clearly – you know, just because you're working doesn't necessarily your body's not prepared. It's, I think there's an over-reliance in general on too much recovery, too much rest, I guess you would say. Not too much recovery, but too much mm -hmm. rest. And as a result, you know, now, to your point that you made earlier, now people come in unprepared because they've done too little. And thus, yep. you know, there's no yeah. more pitchers throwing 100, 100 pitches in a game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that, that was a good question. I think there's all kinds of different variables that play a role in it. And uh, it also depends yep. on how you monitor recovery. Like I said, doing something like auto-regulation and, you know, d inducing a specific um, fatigue amount and or, like I said, utilizing additional tools like uh, – Utilizing something like NeuroTarget to check, you know, how, you know, neural impulses are working and are they in a good sympathetic, parasympathetic balance? There's, it's all kinds of stuff we can, um, we can do. But in general, I think in general, you could say kind of typically drop the volume a little bit, but keep the intensity high. And I think there's probably people yep. that do a lot of traditional lifts that would probably disagree with that, but that's how we roll with yep. it. So that was a good question. Yep. Appreciate uh, whoever sent that in. Yes. All right. What's next, Chris? All right. Next. All right, John. Olympic lifts. What do you think? Do them? Don't do them? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Olympic lifts for your athletes. Do you train them? Do you not train them? What, what are your thoughts yeah. from that? Now, keep in mind, we are referring specifically to a, an athlete who is not an Olympic lifter. Okay. So we're talking right. baseball player, football player. We're referring to softball player, basketball player. We're referring to a non. We're not referring to the person who is doing Olympic lifting as a sport. Okay, 
Correct. So correct. There, that's a very that's a very good point to make. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that Olympic lifting is actually a sport. People remember that. Okay. So, what do I think about Olympic lifting? Well, I think I've answered this question on another episode, but I'll dig into it again. Now, I'm not hating on anybody that does Olympic lifting. If you do Olympic lifting, good for you. That's awesome. I personally do not teach it, and I don't teach it in my facility for a handful of reasons. Um, <laughs> let's back up for a second. You got to ask yourself, why are we doing Olympic lifting? And in general, the answer is to develop explosiveness. But understand that, you know, that there's no such thing as explosive lifts. The, the, the reference is to the, you know, is to how the lift is performed. Okay. The Olympic lifts don't really develop explosiveness. All right. They're actually, when you break them down, they are actually much closer to strength speed, which isn't explosiveness. Explosiveness is developed through jumps. All right. It's developed through depth jumping and bounds and things like that. All right. It's not designed or it's not developed through Olympic lifting. When you break down all the Soviet techs and Eastern Bloc techs, there's one major thing in common. None of the greats mentioned Olympic lifting when it comes to explosiveness. And I, I, I got that from Louis Simmons there. I don't remember. It was in one of his books or podcasts or something that he did. But none of the greats mentioned Olympic lifting when talking about developing explosiveness. And the, the reason it doesn't develop explosiveness is simply because of the bar speeds, right? So I think when they did, like, test of Olympic lifting, and they found that, you know, typically, you know, the average bar speed, I think, was between, like, 0.68 or excuse me, 0.6 to 0.8 meters per second, all right, which actually will fall more into the power realm. And that's not where explosiveness is, guys. Though, like, when you look at bar speed differentials here, like, absolute strength is going to be at about 0.15 to, you know, 0.35 meters a second. Strength speed is going to be 0.8 to 1. Speed strength is 1 to 1.5. And starting strength is going to be anything greater than 1.5 meters per second. So, you know, you're not developed. The bar speed is not going to be consistent. And that's even with people that do that for a freaking living. They Olympic lift for a living. So you're telling me that if they can't do that at the proper bar speeds on a consistent basis, that high school kid is going to be able to do that. Like, no, of course not. It's just, it's not feasible. Like it just doesn't make sense. Maybe one out of every what 100 lifts. They actually, that's an exaggeration. Maybe one out of every 10, they actually hit the right bar speed uh, to develop some quality that's close to speed or something. Like it just doesn't make any sense at all. And I guess the other area is, is they're, they're too dangerous and technical. Like I don't even know how to coach them. Somebody asked me, they're going to a, they're going to a, a pretty high level um, soccer program. Um, and they're like, we need to do Olympic lifting. I'm like, well, I'm not going to teach you how, cause I don't even know how to do it. Cause we don't incorporate it here, mm-hmm. you know, but because let's think about it. Like if I can develop the same qualities in a much more consistent and safer manner with just having somebody jump, then I'm going to get, you know, three weeks of, you know, gains before the other person gets any at all because they're too busy worrying about technique. And, I don't know. It just, to me, it just doesn't make sense. I've just never really understood why people are so glued and so committed to Olympic lifting to develop the explosiveness when the research and common sense is there. 
the other the other like two little elements to it are like we got to understand that ninety nine percent of sport are speed strength anyways, but there's also a massive lack of each, of the eccentric phase in a lot of these minus the hand clean. So like it's just it doesn't make sense. And I think if coaches you're doing this in high school because that's what they do at the collegiate level, well then maybe there's something wrong with the system. And are we really doing the athlete the are we providing the athlete the most benefit? by just preparing them for college, why don't we prepare them to perform the best they can while they're in high school right now? Yep. That's what I got to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, to your point, John, if you, this is not knocking Olympic lifting as a sport. Or no, if, not at all. If you, if you are, even if you're just a, an enthusiast and you just want to get better at the Olympic lifts, go for it. You know, I think it's fantastic. Go for it. Absolutely. You're more that, of a man than I am. Keep in mind that, <laughs> are not you got to remember who we're talking about and that is baseball players softball players basketball players soccer players football players people who do not need to do olympic lifting for the sake of olympic lifting they need to they are doing olympic lifting mm-hmm. for or thinking they're doing olympic lifting for the for sake a, of improving right, for a purpose performance. correct right not so, for the sake of it, putting numbers up on a bar Correct. So that said, I am the I, I come from a different angle. Before I was a speed guy, I was an Olympic lifting guy. So I was USA weightlifting certified back in the mid nineties, and okay, long time ago. John was probably still uh, he was still in diapers. <laughs> so anyway. oh, that may not even been around. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'll go back to with Olympic lifting a long time. Well, there's a reason I got away from it, and it has nothing to do with the fact that they're 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 bad or or they're somehow totally ineffective. I mean, I think they are, but there's so many more better ways. I mean, to almost quote Gary Ryanel here is is it the best mm-hmm. way? Well, I learned over time that it, in my opinion, it was not the best way to train the athletes I trained. Okay, so yeah. that's why I got away from them. I'm not training an Olympic lifter. I've tra- in my career I've trained one, one who actually competed in Olympic lifting, and you know that's uh, you know that that's they rarely come along, and it's it really to me was was totally unnecessary. Now you know that yeah. said, um, you know John, there if, if someone feels like they have to, you, know, you and I uh, talked to. Uh, um, uh, George Benet with Pure Motion, and mm-hmm. he has some adaptive, I'll call it adaptive equipment. So if you feel like you have to do Olympic lifting, he's got adaptive pieces that, that can take the stress off your wrist, that can make it easier, allow the bar to be more under your center of mass instead of in front of you. You know, ways to still do, if it, so if it's looking for the benefit of the Olympic lifting to perform another sport, I would look at Pure Motion. And, and look at some of their stuff because you can get all the benefits without feeling like you're going to injure your athletes. Yeah. Uh, and, and injury is a huge part of it. I mean, there, there a couple other elements is like, I'm going to try and save the joints of connective tissue. And so like, if we got a baseball player, I'm not going to sit there and watch them try to, you know, try to watch their wrists, you know, absorb this bar, you know, in that position. It just doesn't make sense to me. The elbows take a beating, um, you know, but it's also 
evaluating it from the standpoint of front chain, back chain dominant. I mean, just look at how somebody lands a clean. What happens? Is it go, are we inside ankle bone high? Or are we inside ankle bone low? Are we front chain dominant, back chain dominant? What what are we actually developing? And as Ricky has always stated, you know, and I, I give Ricky credit because I'm stealing it from him. There's two engines. There's the there's the movement and the in and the lifting engine. Movement's going to be forward gear, and lifting engine is you know reverse gear. You can't keep driving the car in reverse. It's not going to make it very far. And that's kind of where Olympic lifting falls. And then you add in the movement pattern, you know, that are created with it as well. And it's just it's an inefficient thing to do. And I mean. The, the people that still argue about that, like, fine, if you're a great Olympic lifting coach, cool. I mean, good for you. I'm happy for you. Um, I'm not. And if somebody wants to do Olympic lifting, I refer them out. I, I don't even waste time doing it. I explain why. I probably explain it in a little bit more professional manner, you know, versus just getting on here and talking about it, you know, but explain the pros and cons. And I think it's just ultimately there's a, there's a safer and more effective way to develop the qualities that you're looking to develop for the max benefit of the athlete. My concern is that the athlete is – reaching their fullest potential and is safe and healthy because the best athlete is the healthy athlete while they're in high school, middle school. I'm not concerned about what the college program is doing. That's not my job. My job is to make sure they're performing as efficiently as possible and that they're healthy. I don't care what they're doing at the next level right now. Yeah. The best ability. Now, when they get to the next level, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Yes. Yes. Yep. What were you saying? You cut out. You you cut out a little bit, and I missed that. What were you getting ready to say? I just said that the best when you're middle school, high school, the best ability is availability. You better be available. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Like we you know, we discussed. We yeah. we said this on numerous podcasts. I had six mm-hmm. athletes last summer that showed up with some form of of history of stress fracture stress something rather in their spine that was last summer this summer hasn't been that bad yeah but um i was like that's crazy you know to have that many um show up with that and most of them done in the weight room so Mm -hmm. i don't know just you know determine what caused that if you will so yeah so whoever asked that that was that was a good question i appreciate you asking it you guys have been asking for more friday fire and that's a sure way to get me all fired up to talk about something um (laughs) but uh yeah i just think it's more efficient ways to develop it that question came from our say that again chris that uh that question came oh wade wade yes wade houchin over at gotcha wizard performance is the one who sent that question in so Thank you. Cool. Got you. Well, I appreciate appreciate that, Wade. Um, those are good questions, guys. Uh, thanks for sending those in to us. So remember, uh, if you got any of the questions, send them to info at startingblockpodcast.com. Um, two other quick things while I'm thinking about it. One, uh, we are, and I've been saying it for a couple of weeks, we had a little bit of a hang-up, not because of any disagreements or anything. It's just a, kind of a time thing for everybody. You know, if you follow me, you know, we opened a, a – a, you know, we're working out of actually one of our – partners places in east memphis a couple days a week so i've been busy with that dr jay's been busy with a few other things dr jay and i actually spoke i guess you're here in this tuesday i'm recording it on thursday we spoke we're we're almost done getting everything so as soon as that's done um, we will announce the neurotarget certification uh, that is coming up and we got a couple really cool surprises with that as well so i do ask you to um to pay attention to that and uh yeah 
we will uh, we will put all that information out on an episode, and it'll all be on the website as well. So I want to make sure they got that across. And that's, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us today, guys. That is the show. Uh, again, if you got some value out of this, you learned something. Um, if I pissed you off, then uh, please go share the show. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. See you. See you.